0: Welcome to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series. This podcast presents topical global business stories that affect Bermuda. Series host Shivani Seth interviews business leaders and experts in finance, insurance, reinsurance, risk, accounting, and other business services. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RG Business Navigate series, I'm Shivani Sait and I'm your host. Today I'm really looking forward to getting an overview of Appleby as a global leading law firm and I'm equally excited to be welcoming Brad Adderley, the Office Managing Partner and Head of Corporate at Appleby in Bermuda. Welcome Brad.
1: Well thank you very much, I'm glad to be here.
0: (laughs) Um, So Appleby is a global law firm that offers a comprehensive suite of legal services. Could you tell me a little bit more about Applebee and more specifically about what it does in Bermuda?
1: Definitely. It's one of these long stories. We have a long history in Bermuda. Applebee is traditionally a Bermuda law firm. We started off in Bermuda after World War II with three partners and through the advent of time we grew. We slowly grew probably mostly the beginning of the 1990s and then the 2000s. So 1990 Hong Kong office. Bermuda office originally Hong Kong office. Okay. Then in 2000, we started to do two different things. We either used to merge with other law firms worldwide, or we did greenfield sites. Right? There are our philosophy always was to go to where the clients are. Go to where the people who do transactions are um, to help fund them. So as a result, we now have the following offices. Bermuda is still one of the largest offices, plus Cayman, BVI, The BVI was Greenfield, Cayman was a merger. We then go to Channel Islands, Guernsey, Alaman, Jersey. Mixture of mergers (laughs) and Greenfield. It's pretty difficult. Hong Kong we mentioned already, right? And then we have Mauritius and Seashells, which are both Greenfield sites. Okay. In that period of time, we've had other offices which we've opened and shut, but those are our main offices today. In Bermuda now, as we're talking about Bermuda. Yes. Um, Appleby's obviously been around two largest law firms in the island, been around for the longest period of time. Um, We are four-service law firm in Bermuda, except we don't do divorce work and we don't do um, criminal work.
0: It's probably a good thing in Bermuda, Brad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you I'm I'm divorced (laughs) and um, I I, I did not use Appleby to represent me. Um, But that's the only thing we don't do. But everything other than that do do in Bermuda, um, and as you can imagine in Bermuda, the vast majority of the larger law firms do mostly commercial work of some sort. Okay. Yes, they do trust work, yes, they do litigation, yes, they do property work, but of the larger law firms, if you think of the makeup of the office, it will be at least 60-40 commercial. Okay. And in that commercial, you can obviously have lots of different expertise, um, but it's still 60 commercial, 40% other, I would say.
0: Okay. So thank you for that overview about Applebee. So in in particular about yourself then, Brad, tell me a little bit more. You've recently got a new role as the office managing partner. With these two roles now, with your new role, are there, are, are there any conflicts that you find?
1: Interesting. So let me give you a background because I, I think a lot of people in life look at the end and not the process. Okay. I, I think a lot of people go, Wow you're wearing a nice suit, you've got a nice car, you're drinking a nice bottle of champagne. You don't think of what you went through to get there. You don't okay. think of the hours you do, the work you do, the holidays you gave up to achieve those results. Yes. And I think the process is almost more important than the end. Okay. And also I think it helps everyone else who's looking at you, junior lawyers, trainees, staff, to understand this. Is what it takes. Right? So I, I did find an interesting story. So I'm... Weird person for lots of reasons. One <laughs> of the reasons why I'm weird is I've only had one job. So I've only been at Applebee.
0: For your I, entire career? My
1: entire career. I came as a trainee. So let's build the layers of weirdness. When I was a trainee, I was not a great trainee. I wasn't. I don't think I knew anything, honestly.
0: Okay.
1: I remember the very first piece of work I did for a mentor I totally respect to the state, Ken Robinson. And he asked me to do a legal opinion. And I literally deleted every assumption in the legal opinion. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I kid you not. I remember my first year, um, my mentor at the time was Judy Collis, um, who I totally respect. And I remember at the end of the year thinking, are they going to keep me on? Right. Right? Because um, I, tra- I did my training contract at Appleby. I remember asking Judy and Peter Benzer, who was the um, managing partner in the bureau office at the time, you know, because I'm honest and direct, and I'm not good with Gray. I said, Peter, Judy, you know, how am I? my low, medium, high. And they said, Brad, well, you're about middling, you're medium. So I was not excelling at all. Okay. I then went into the insurance practice. I did no insurance work as part of my training contract. thinking, here I'm going to, staying on, I'm middling at best, and I've got to go into insurance practice and I have to know insurance. But I was happy to have a job. So I started there in September in my insurance seat, now as a lawyer thinking, oh my God, I'm not prepared for this. I had my first review, my annual review in December, I'm thinking, this is unfair. I've been in a seat for three months, I'm having (laughs) a review, and pay rises in April. Warren Cabell gives me a review, and it wasn't good. As expected, I've been in the seat for three months, and I'm thinking, here we go. I was middling, three months in, now a full fledged lawyer, and I'm not very good. All right. So, needless to say, in a year's time, my next review was phenomenal. Um, it was how much I improved. And I slowly grew up. And, but through that process, it wasn't all roses. I made lots of mistakes to get to where I am. Okay. I was overly passionate. I, d- I said yes to every piece of work I wanted to do. I didn't want to let anyone down. Right. Through doing more work, you get more experience, more, more knowledge, more confidence, and more um, familiarity with all your partners. But then I took work on and delivered it correctly, but late. Okay. So then I got told off of doing the work late, not because it's correct. So over-eagerness became an issue for me. Yes. Right? And then through that, you then have all the long hours, and I never turned down work. My view was always I wanted to make sure my practice, the lawyers I worked with were never at the boss neck and slowing up a transaction. Okay. I wanted to say yes to every marketing material, every dinner, every drinks, every golf game, everything I could to get more experience. So at the very minimum, if I did the work, I would get the experience, I get the hours, and I get the billings, and through that, I'd get hopefully build relationships with external people, who then, as I became more important, would um, give me more work. Okay. So I think you get work three ways: you get work because you're the cheapest. Most people don't want to be cheap. <laughs> you get work because you're the best, you're top gun, right? Or you mill the road. So or it's service. So I always took the view is. You aim for Top Gun, okay. provide great service, and you'll be okay. Now, through that, and obviously, I am going to get to your question. I promise. Um, <laughs> you know, through that, obviously, um, you get a lot of knowledge and experience of the firm. Because if you think about it, if I started in ninety six and it's twenty twenty two now, yes, you know that's twenty six years in the firm now. Hopefully, by the time I get to this new role, I share some knowledge and experience of the good and the bad, things that we could have done better, things we need to learn from, and things to improve on. You know, because in this period of time, a lot's happened on the island. There's a lot happened in the legal community, a lot of changes in the island, and now we practice law. And I've been thankfully around that, yeah, being as one of the busiest lawyers in the, in the office. So that yeah, gives me an experience. So hopefully it helped me to get to where I am today and also helps me to do my job today. So What's interesting for us at Applebee now is all of our managers are fee owners. Okay. So...
0: Through your leadership, very much so. Yeah,
1: through leadership, and we have to be now. So the way we think about it now is if I have someone who's just a pure manager, he got to that position because he was a good lawyer. Okay. Right? Because he was good at his job. He won business, he did the law, he practiced, he built, he got paid. But now you're taking someone out of that role to do management. In some ways, you could argue in the legal community that's counterintuitive, Right? We say, no, we want lawyers who are managers because that way they can be better leaders and do the day job. So my day job is to be what I was doing for the last 26 years, is to be a lawyer. Okay. On top of that, I have to now be head of the office. Okay. So now we'll got to your question, how do I do it? <laughs> well, I think what needs to happen is the skills that you've learned to be a good lawyer and to jungle five transactions, 10 tr- transactions at a time apply. You've got to be, one, do your day job efficiently. make sure every minute of your day is accounted for. Every time I'm in the car, I'm on a phone call, probably through Bluetooth. If I'm home, it's the same thing. I'm lucky enough, even though I'm a man, to to be able to double task. So if I'm on a call, I'm probably taking notes, I'm speaking, I'm answering an email, I'm answering and speaking to you at the same time. Probably because I've answered my pants also, but that's just how life is. Um, And then on top of that, I have to make sure I'm really efficient when I manage.
0: Well, I'm going to move on a little bit about the legal profession in Bermuda. You know, I'd like to understand more about... I've talked to different people, I've held different podcasts and trying to understand the entire infrastructure of Bermuda and how it all binds together. So what role does the legal profession play in Bermuda to support international business and the Bermuda economy?
1: I think the legal community is one of the main drivers, actually. Because if you think about creating new business, along with the regulator because we think we go hand in hand. Yes. Um, We are the ones who are constantly on the road marketing, talking to clients, and we've seen the issues. When someone says to me, Brad, I want to use Bermuda, but, or Brad, I'm thinking about using a different jurisdiction, we have to argue against it. Okay. My view has always been everything should be in Bermuda. Right. Right. And over the years, when we've lost business, it's been spite ourselves, not because of ourselves. We haven't... You know, we lost the fund industry because of change in regulation years ago. Okay. You know, um, the medical practice insurance business was, went to another jurisdiction, ma- mainly because of us. So we have, as a jurisdiction, have to remember all clients have a choice.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: You know, and we have to remind them that it's is the right choice. That having regulation and having our reputation and the cost that goes with that is better for your business. And for us, we are like, you know, we talked about shopping earlier, right? (laughs) We're the window of your shop, right? Of course, Because clients are talking to us, investment bankers are talking to us, lawyers are talking to us, why Bermuda? You know, why not another jurisdiction? Why is it better here? And it's normally us who's explaining to clients or to lawyers, to investment banks or brokers, this is the right jurisdiction for these reasons. And it could be as simple as it's easy to get to. It could be that simple. Sometimes the reasons are not what I would call really good, sensible, strong reasons. Right? Geographically,
0: but it can make sense. It
1: can, geographically can make sense. Because okay. I think most clients have a choice of where they can put their business. And they sometimes just follow the herd. Okay. You know, it's not really, I haven't really thought about why I'm going to a jurisdiction. A law firm has told me to go to that jurisdiction. I don't know really why, because the, maybe they're agnostic between Bermuda came and, and BVI. Right. Because well, so I'm not. I actually believe, even though I have other offices, everyone's said this from me, everything should be in Bermuda.
0: I, I, was, well. I was about to ask, because you did talk about other offices. So. You no, know, I think
1: everything has been, so interesting story I have. Um, years ago, I was asked to be the head of group insurance, right? So run Appleby's worldwide insurance practice. Okay. And I said no. So you're going to think, you're looking at me crazy here, like, Brad, what are you talking about? <laughs> not the first time this is a podcast. But I go, why? But it was an easy decision for me. It was no question for me why I did not want to do the job. Because the way I think about it is, one, I think every insurance company should be in Bermuda. I fundamentally believe that to my bone. I'm worldwide. World worldwide. Worldwide. I think every insurance that's company a, should be in Bermuda. That's computer.
0: a huge statement.
1: Well, I know. But <laughs> okay. you have to aim for the stars. And if you don't get the stars and you get just below, you're happy. Okay, but at least in the offshore market, yes. Almost all the offshore jurisdictions in Asia, Singapore and other ones, all those entities can be do, in Bermuda.
0: Do we have the infrastructure to support all of that?
1: We can get through in a minute. I haven't finished my story yet. <laughs> Let's finish the story. <laughs> so then I thought about. Then I thought, how do I market Bermuda? If you have a fallback, which is, I want to use Bermuda, but you don't use Bermuda, don't worry about it. Use Apple in. That doesn't mean you're not passionate. You're not going to argue. You're not going to make your case. You're not going to be really driven to convince a client to only use Bermuda. Okay. You have an excuse. Also, how do I market? How do I go away and ask the BMA or the Ministry of Finance or someone else to come to the island, come to New York, do meetings with me? Well, they know potentially I'm going to be trying to sell Bermuda in Cayman. Okay. That, to me, is disingenuous. So I said no to that time, which was fine. And then three years later they came back to me I thought, oh my God, here we go. (laughs) They asked me again, and I—it was hard to say no a second time. I still said no, because again, my view is Bermuda should be the most successful offshore jurisdiction, and I very much believe the successes of other jurisdictions should be in Bermuda. We should have three or four pillars of our international business here, Um, and that's what we're trying to do now. Is now, but as we all know, when you lose business, it's hard to get it back. Right. You know, so you can't lose. That's why we have to win the tech business now and the crypto business and the insured tech business and so on. So we have a foothold in Bermuda so everyone else is trying to catch up to us, not for us to catch up to them.
0: Okay. Uh, and, you know, I'm talking about, you, or rather you're talking about how to bring the mm. business into Bermuda. Have there been any recent changes in legislation in Bermuda that has helped the Bermudian economy?
1: No question. I think, I think of a couple of things which has really helped the economy. Because if we think of the economy, it's, I think every dollar counts. So every time a client flies down to Bermuda, airfare, tourism, tax, taxi, hotel, restaurant, shopping, whatever, it all adds up, right? So I think that itself helps the economy. But then we even care about more, about what? About more employment, fundamentally, right? We care about more employees, more staff. So... Think of what's happened in the commercial space in Premier. We went from purely a P&C insurance marketplace. Mm-hmm. We changed our law to expand to ILS. We look at ILS now, you think of how many ILS funds in Premier who hire people. Yes. You think of um, the transform of vehicles for ILS transactions who hire people, right? So the whole ILS world has been bolted on to the existing P&C world, and they've created jobs. I was just talking to a client of mine the other day. On Monday, he said to me, "We up to 12 people in Bermuda. We had a year and a half ago they were, didn't exist. So 12 new jobs on the island out of one ILS fund. It's okay. phenomenal. Then we go yes. to life reinsurance. Bermuda's grown as a life reinsurer, which is phenomenal. The Bermuda Monetary Authority, again, talking about changing rules and regulation, has grown that, adopted the right rules and regulation there, which is phenomenal, and at the same time, Every single one of those entities is hiring people. Two, three, four people. 10, 12 new companies got formed last year. they all hire two, three more people. That's great. They don't have directorships. That affects people who act as directorships and earn a fee. So that's growing the economy. So Builder has affected that and then changed the law. And then from top of that, you got crypto, yes. which is really interesting because that regulation there, very few jurisdictions with crypto legislation now with the issue of crypto companies in Bermuda, because of economic substance and their requirements, they're hiring people on the island and growing the industry. Now they're mixing with what? Insurance. So we've got tech now, <laughs> right? Yes. Those together meet in the middle, right? And they say, you should be in Bermuda for insurance, you should be in Bermuda for crypto, let's do both. And funny enough, a lot of the insurance tech companies are also doing pure crypto business. Guess what? They know Bermuda now. Why go to another jurisdiction to keep your law and your issues simple and get familiarity with one jurisdiction.
0: Right, and, and build, build it out. And
1: build it out again where? middle.
0: Right. It's, it's interesting. I hadn't fully appreciated it. I wanted to bring you on today so that everybody could understand more about how important your role is. And as you said earlier, legal firms, they are the drivers. But what I'm also learning from you right now is that you really have that amazing overview of the different um, industries coming to Bermuda, talking about crypto, talking about insurtech, tech, so all the new and current things coming. So you have a fabulous way of explaining to me what we have to look forward to. Um, you know, the talking you talked earlier about your relationship with the BMA as a law firm and how important that is. Have there been any recent changes in regulation introduced by the BMA? And again, if you could tell me a little bit more about how Apple B- interacts with the BMA to help companies obtain an insurance license in Bermuda?
1: Sure. Let's do the first question first. Okay. We'll make sure we get that one answered, then we'll get to the second question. So if you think about the first question, so what have we done? What has the BMA done? Not me, the law firms. So on the insurance side, they they came up again with this novel idea of sandbox. Okay. So innovative companies doing innovative insurance, not done before. Maybe the system's different, maybe the procedure's different, maybe the underwriting's different. Maybe they're using crypto, maybe they're not. Let me give you a chance to incubate in Bermuda. Hopefully you grow up from a kid and to become an adult, and you come out of the sandbox into a full-fledged insurance company. Okay. Right? So that's brand new. That's over the last three years. You have that. We then had this amalgam of insurance and crypto when they came up with the IIGBs and things like that. So again, I'm going to call it crypto insurance companies. Right. That's the BMA creating new classifications to keep abreast of what's going on in the insurance market in the worldwide community. Okay. So that's them creating new classifications and they came up with another new classification this year for crypto life companies. Right. So long term insurers, either reinsurers or direct issuers who are going to be using crypto as some type of asset class for that business. So now again we're missing two pillars of our economy together to give another reason why it's being permitted. That shows how good the BMA has been. Just say we want the business, but we want to regulate it properly. Okay. And that only enhances Bermuda because the overseas regulators see the BMA doing it properly. Helps their reputation when they get to meetings, too. Helps our reputation. And in this day and age, I think like 25 years ago when I started Applebee, people tried not to be regulated. Now people ask to be regulated because they know when it comes to raising of capital and things that if I'm not regulated, I'm probably not going to raise the capital.
0: Very true. I need to
1: be. Yep. I need to be. Re- actually need to be regulated, even though there's a cost with regulation, because that'll help us. So those are just examples of the BMA on the insurance side. Now, obviously, we have um, new crypto classes, new crypto licenses, also grow into that too. So I think the Bermuda Monetary Theory is only help enhance our reputation as a jurisdiction. Okay. And that comes up to and examples of that again. If you go back to insurance, is that was obviously two equivalent. There's not many jurisdictions in That's the world who are some very true, right? and I've
0: talked about that a few times, yes.
1: Right? You then have NIC approval lists. So now you have the North Americans, or the Americans approving our commercial reinsurers. So now you've got America taking care of, Europe taking care of, right? And a small little jurisdiction like Bermuda, because of the BMA's reputation and the laws they adopted and the regulations they adopted.
0: Make it incredibly attractive. It makes
1: it incredibly attractive. Yes. And I always tell people, clients, listen, you might get the same response as the PRA in England. The difference is you'll get the response in a month instead of a year. Okay. Right, so, and you can have a dialogue. You can discuss the issue with them, you can discuss the question with them, and at the end of the day, that's only to your benefit to have that time to discuss it, and that quicker response than having to wait so long. You might not like the response, it might not be the response you want, but surely it's better to get a response in a dialogue and a debate than it is to wait nine months to get an answer when there's no debate and no negotiation. You'll, and, you'll, and what your next step, your future is not hold until you hear back from the other regulator. So it's for my purposes, okay. it's really a no-brainer to look at Bermuda as the premier offshore jurisdiction for offshore ju- um, offshore companies.
0: Thank you. Well, you mentioned life insurance earlier and I'm going to talk about that again. I'm going to come back right, to sure. it. So you have been quite vocal about the growth of life insur- reinsurers in the Bermuda marketplace. Right. Uh, tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on the future of Bermuda's corporate industry and where you feel growth patterns are likely to emerge.
1: Interesting. Things, what's interesting about our international community, and for me, is that in some ways we're mature jurisdiction. What I mean by that is You know, in 2001, we had all these new commercial reinsurers. Since 2001, those companies have either been um, wound up, had issues, um, got bought because they were successful. They bought other companies because they were successful. So it's become a full circle of growth. And through that growth, they created more avenues for more insurance companies. So another wave came along. So now, you know, originally it was just the trajectory of positivity. And as we grow, some companies fail—not quite as successful. They change their business plans, which then create more opportunities for other companies. So, in the insurance market, it's really quite interesting because it has been the constant growth, but constant developments. Right. Right. We mentioned it already. We started off with purely PNC companies. Yes. in Two thousand and one. Well, let's go back. We started off with pure, pure captives in the nineties. Captives became PNC commercial reinsurers. People figure out our commercial insurance market came about. Because of our PNC because of our captive market okay commercial reinsurers came along they came along and created sidecars almost all the sidecars in the world were set up in Bermuda that was the development of our international community and more business through sidecars we then had more commercial reinsurers from there they then not start doing ILS standalone ILS insurance transactions or these existing clients, developed and grew the market and had their own ILS platforms. Most commercial reinsurers in Bermuda have an ILS platform, which hire people. So that's a growth of an existing business, another pillar, or the same pillar if you call it insurance or reinsurance. Right. We then go on to life business. People forget on the life side, most of the direct life issuers have been in Bermuda since day one in the offshore market. Yes, they were needed. Uh, so the direct life insurers were here. Then people think about life reinsurance. Well, life insurance was already here. Life reinsurance came, and it came because of the good regulation of Bermuda. Okay. And the BMA. Not because it's necessarily me or any lawyer. It's because of the Bermuda Monetary's reputation and how they went about doing their business. And their international respect from other regulators, in my mind. Right. And for that, they're growing and hiring people also.
0: Creating yeah. And creating sidecars
1: too? Well, that's a hard topic. <laughs> well, that is a hard topic in the life reinsurance market, this idea of life reinsurance sidecars. Okay. Which I think to me is has a, um, people think of that as being a PNC sidecar and it's different than a life reinsurance sidecar. Um, but that example is a showing of the development of the marketplace. Right. And that development is left to, to InsurTech. And that continues to develop. So what we need to do, I have an expression which is, I want you to play in my sandbox. Your job is to play in my sandbox in front of me. My job is not to tell you what the next great toy is. You are going to make it, and I'm going to tell you how to structure it in Bermuda.
0: Sounds like a fantastic expression to me. me.
1: My job is not to tell you this is the next great toy. You play, you see what you like, you tell me, Brad, how do I do this?
0: And you'll structure it for them. And I'll
1: structure it for it in Bermuda.
0: And interestingly enough, we talked about, you talked about the number of jobs being created in the industry through all the different areas, crypto, life reinsurance. When I spoke with Martin LaFromboise, the executive director of BILTA, he also mentioned that there is a deficiency of life actuaries here in Bermuda. Uh, so it will be great to see that if life reinsurance, as you say, continues to grow. And I think if I'm not misquoting, you said it could outgrow the PNC market. Is that right? Good. Yes,
1: definitely.
0: <laughs> I definitely read that well. Um, so, you know, th- again, there's a demand being created there for yep. more jobs, more people needed.
1: And this also shows that Gilman helping us, cause you mentioned a topic which is interesting, which is totally true. The life insurance market needs people and expertise. Yes. And you can't do it if you were doing P&C before. It's different. It's skilled. a different, yes. So then I get to myself, great, we have a shortage for actuaries, as you just said. So what's the Department of Immigration done? They've asked, they've agreed to fast-track... To approval of work permits That's right for actuaries. So now we have an example again of the BMA
0: responding to responding the needs of, yes.
1: And then it's a great story, and then you tell future clients guess what, we know you need actuaries, Department of Immigration has heard you, and they're working with us as one Bermuda Inc. Yes. to grow the Bermuda economy and to grow the Bermuda people. Right? Because if at the end of the day, if every New life reinsurer hires 10 more people, and every new ILS company hires 10 more people. Like my story I told you before, my other client, that's only good for the market. And as the maturity of the market comes along and other people downsize, we need new vehicles coming in to rehire the people who are working somewhere else. Yes, that's true. So we need that cycle of life to hire people from the other companies who are now downsizing, doing something else, changing their roles, focusing on something different up to 10, 15 years, maybe your focus is something different, right? And we need that. At a time when we all know you're asked to do 10% more every year with 10% less. <laughs>
0: right? So true. So, so we true. We have to
1: create that many more jobs every year, even though we need to become more efficient every year. Yes. So just to stay still, you almost have to create X amount more new jobs just That's to stay equal, let alone to grow the economy.
0: And talking, you know, a little bit more about talent and pivoting to the talent war going on in Bermuda, how does Appleby attract and retain talent? And perhaps more broadly, how does the legal profession attract talent to the island as well as grooming Great. the local talent?
1: So my personal view of how to attract talent at Appleby is um, as far as I think um, I'm very bad with grey, um, so I'm very direct. I think um, direct communication, honesty transparency with all levels of staff. It makes no difference if you're an equity partner, salary partner, trainee, right? You have to be also accessible. Um, They have to see you walking the walk, talking the talk, in (laughs) my mind. Um, And you have to be able to answer all the questions as much as you can without breaching confidentiality. So you have to share, in my mind, a lot more information than you previously did 15 years ago, 18 years ago, 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, That's how I think about it. And through that, hopefully they trust you. The second thing to me is training and being involved in more interesting transactions. So for me, if you can constantly give them feedback and train them, explain the process, the thoughts. I like to tell people when you come to my office, don't take notes. Because if you come to my office taking notes, you're worried about what you're going to write. You're not trying to understand what you're trying to do. You're not listening. Right. So for me, whenever you're in my office, it's how do you get to A to B? It's the thought process of how to get there. If you really, really appreciate where you're trying to get to, you understand the process is important. Right? And then after that, again, it's transparency and communication in um, bonus models. So we are coming up with um, future bonus models which are going to be on your desktop. Okay. So black and white, color, right there, every day, <laughs> you know exactly where you stand, no hiding, you know, makes you talk, no difference, it's, it's right there, this is what my bonus would be, this is what it's not going to be, and it's just like turning on your computer. So again, that transparency, that directness, you can see yourself um, being rewarded and benefiting.
0: And that right. honesty goes a long way when a somebody is choosing what company they would yeah. like to work for.
1: Yeah. And we all know this day and age, worldwide, staffing, finding staff, getting staff, having staff work hard, retaining staff is, is it like I'm the biggest topic? In <laughs> it's any, a nightmare. <laughs> in any, 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 it's not a Bermuda issue. It's no, not a it's legal it. issue. It's no. everyone's issue.
0: Yes, very much so. so. You know, in summary, what is Appleby's perspective on the future role of the legal profession to help growth in Bermuda? I know you've mentioned Bermuda should be the jurisdiction for everybody. It should be not only the jurisdiction of choice, but people should know that's the, they should want to be there. If you had a few chosen words, what, what would you say about the future?
1: I think the future's good. I don't like to have a few chosen words. That's too, that's too, 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 too <laughs> few for me. I think the future is good because what we have shown compared to other jurisdictions that were willing to develop different, different, jurisdi- different industries. Again, crypto insurance, crypto companies, tech companies. We've been the market leaders in developing our law and our regulation to help attract people. And I fundamentally believe people want to be regulated, not unregulated today. So I think at the end of the day, being regulated and being the first regulators in the industry will only help people to choose us as the right jurisdiction. And as a result, I think that will help grow the marketplace and help us develop it. And again, just like crypto companies and insurance have mixed together to become insurtech, it will hopefully all meet together and overlap and make all the other industries stronger because of it.
0: Thank you very much, Brad. It's been incredibly interesting today. I'd like to thank Brad Adley for coming on today's podcast. I'm Shivani Sait, and I've been your host. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate Series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.